So we are currently going through a series of messages um, on Sunday mornings about the life of Jesus as we find them written in the Gospel of Luke. So today I'm going to speak on the one account in the Bible that we have of Jesus as a child, not as a baby, but as a child. So it is found in Luke 2, 41 to 52. And it's titled, Jesus Speaks with Teachers. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. <clears throat> every, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travellers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to him and his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and with all the people. <coughs> so I do find it interesting that this is the one story of Jesus as a child that we find in the Bible. Um, there are other claims of stories out there that this person read about, wrote this about, this about Jesus and some other um, writer wrote that about Jesus. But this is the one story that made it into the Bible. That is, like I guess, God approved kind of um, and that kind of stuff. And it's um, an odd story. There's a couple of things I'd like to know. Jesus was 12. So what that meant in the Jewish um, culture and stuff, Jesus was on the cusp of manhood. Uh, like he was about to go through his bar mitzvah, he was about to be considered a man amongst the Jewish people. So, but he was still definitely considered a child at this point. Um, another thing to point out that you're like, why didn't Mary and Joseph notice that Jesus was missing straight away? I mean, if I was travelling, I'm pretty sure I'll know if my child was not not with me. But this is, they travelled in a caravan. So there would have been a whole group of people, friends and family and neighbours and stuff, travelling from Nazareth to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And they, the same travelling, um, like the caravan of people would have travelled back to um, Nazareth together as a group for safety, for company and, and just for all that kind of stuff for travel. So um, they're not expecting a 12-year-old. If you know many 12-year-olds, they have their own independent mind and will and and their own thoughts of things. But they trusted Jesus. He was obviously mature enough in their eyes to, and they trusted him enough to be there amongst the people doing what they expected him to be doing, to be travelling along home with them. So they didn't fear for his safety. They weren't, like, nervous about him um, playing with others or just hanging out with other people. Um, so there was a sense of trust and so he, 
he obviously wasn't a child that they felt that they had to keep their tabs on all the time. Um, so what can we learn from this anecdote? I think from this anecdote we can learn a lot about Jesus' character. By looking at who he was as a child, we can learn a lot about who he is as a man and who he is as our saviour and as a son of God. Um, in Luke 51, um, after Mary and Joseph had gone looking for him and he said, I was here in, in my father's house, where else would I be? Um, he returned to Nazareth with him. He didn't argue. I know, I know many of a child at, at that age who would say, why weren't you doing what we told you? Well, I was, they, would, they would respond back. They would bite back. They would say, oh, well, I was doing this. I knew what I was doing. What, what are you worrying about, Mom, Dad? Just leave me alone. Um, but he didn't do that. He submitted to authority. So he, because we're told in verse 51 that he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in, his, in um, her heart. So Jesus, he is the son of God, but he had parents. He had teachers. He had people who were in authority, in authority over him, that had been put in authority over him. But juxtaposition that with the fact that he was the son of God. Like, we, we, when we, we're 2,000 years later from, the, from this incident and from, from um, Jesus as a person alive on earth, and we think, but he's God. Like, who can have authority over God? But he chose to submit to the authority that was put in place of him, that was put over him. I try and imagine if, if I had the power of God and if I was God and I had people coming and telling me what to do and where to be and where to eat, and I'm like, I'm not sure that I would be completely as submissive as Jesus. But that may be why I'm not God. <coughs> so Paul wrote to the Christians, um, um, to Titus, in Titus 3, 1 to 2. He said, remind the believers, that's us, to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarrelling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to each other, to everyone. This story of Jesus as a child was him living that example. He submitted to authority. He showed true humility. He didn't quarrel. He didn't, he didn't slander anyone. He didn't assert his own will over the, that of his parents. He submitted to authority. The question is, how well do we submit to authority? How well do I submit to authority? And I'm not just talking about government laws, though we must submit to the laws of the land that, that we are in, as long as they are not in conflict with God's laws. So that means we shouldn't speed. We should obey the road rules, pay our taxes like, like we're um, commanded to. We should follow the laws that we have been given and follow our and respect and honour the government over us. Whether we agree with all of their, their political positions or not, they've put in, been put in authority over us. And we get to make changes when we get to vote and that kind of thing. That's our governmental system. But we also need to remember to respect our law enforcement officers, our police officers our uh, local council, our uh, teachers, our fire authorities. Our, there's so many layers of authority that we have to submit to and I would think that most of us do. But there is a, the occasional things like 
oh, this, this, this road is 80, but there's no traffic. I'm sure I could push it into 100. Mm, that's not necessarily submitting to authority. This is like, oh, there's no one around. I'll just throw my trash in the park because like, there's no bin. I won't take it, take it home. I'll just throw it on the ground. That's not submitting to authority. We know we're not allowed to litter. We're not that, that kind of thing. So we need to commit, um, remember to submit to authority in all areas of our lives. For those of us in the workforce, we need to submit to our, our bosses. And I'm sure I get an amen from David for that. We need to submit to our bosses and those managers and people that, that are in authority over us. For those that are in school and that are still going through university and stuff, we need to submit to our teachers and those authorities. Um, Jesus submitted to those authorities. He submitted to his parents and teachers, but he also submitted to his Father in heaven. And we know this throughout his life, right up to his last night here when he was praying, after the Last Supper, when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, words. Anyway, when he was praying in the Garden and he was saying, Um, my father, this cup that I'm about to take on, because he knew he was headed to the cross. He knew what that meant. It meant torture. It meant pain. It meant humiliation. It meant separation from God. He, He asked his father, take this cup from me. I don't know that I can take it. But ultimately, your will above my own. He chose to submit to his spirit, his heavenly father as well. And are we willing to submit to God's will? to God's commands, to the point that we have to sacrifice? How much are we willing to sacrifice for God? Jesus sacrificed it all. I can't imagine how humbling and excruciating it would be to be God up on that cross, being tortured and jeered at, knowing that you could make it all go away. But he chose to submit. He submitted to the will of the Father for us. So how much should we submit to God? Often we don't want to submit to God enough to get out of bed on a Sunday morning in time. Or often we don't want to submit enough to um, give our tithe and our offerings. We're like, oh, I could use that to, to buy this item or pay this bill. But that's not what God asks. He asks us to submit to him and to his authority that he's given and his word that he's given to us in his Bible. Jesus also grew in wisdom and understanding. In Luke 2.52, we're told that, literally, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and all the people. So in the story, Jesus was 12. He was not ready to go to the cross at 12. Um, He was not ready to um, start preaching and teaching and travelling throughout the land when he was 12. I've known 12-year-olds who think they knew enough that they could do that. But they're not ready. We recognise as, as adults that sometimes 12-year-olds do not necessarily have all the maturity that they need. And Jesus knew that. So he took time to learn to grow. And when it was his time, he stepped into the ministry that God called him, not before. So it wasn't until he was 30 years of age when he stepped into his public ministry and started preaching and teaching the word of God to all the people and calling disciples to him. So from 12 to 30, that's math, um, 18 years. 
Um, so he waited for another 18 years, well into his adulthood, well into his, his majority, before he stepped into the ministry that God had called him. And I kind of imagine when I'm looking at this thing, what would 15-year-old like Jesus be? He, he, knew, he knew by then that he was God's son. Because we know in, in, in when he was 12 that he, he declared that to his mother, that I'm in my father's house when he was in the temple. So he knew by the time he was 15 and 16, 17, that he was God's son. I've worked with a lot of teenagers and I can imagine that he was probably champ, champing at the bit, waiting to go get out and say, God, can I go now? Father, can I go now? I've kind of experienced that myself sometimes and I'm like, I know something that God wants me to do but I, it's not time to do it. I'm like, God, all of last year was God telling me to wait and be patient. Wait, don't launch into things too fast. Wait to be patient. Now, and I'm talking in, ref, in thing with playgroup and some other things, ministry things that we've got going on here in Northern and that's just some minor things but it was a lot of patience for me to go, okay, I need to wait and I need to sit and learn and grow and listen to God. And that was Jesus. He was sitting. He was waiting. He was um, learning from God and waiting until God said, yes, my son, it is now time to go. And so we know at 30, um, he met up with his cousin, John, got baptised and launched his public ministry. Um, Juxtaposition to this, when I was preparing the sermon, I I had a thought like, okay, that's, that's great. Someone waited and they grow. But too often I think I find and, I, and I've experienced and I've met Christians that didn't go at all. In Hebrews um, 5, 11 to 14, Paul writes, or the writer of the Hebrews writes, there's much more that we'd like to say about this, but is it difficult to explain, especially since you were spiritually dull? And he's writing to the church uh, in um, the, Hebrew, the Hebrews. He's writing to, to that church and he's like, you are spiritually dull and you don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still, a, still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognise the difference between right and wrong. So why we need to wait, we need to continue to grow and have, and have understanding. That growth means there must be progress. So if you have a, um, if you have an infant, six-month-old, they're not expected to be chewing food. This is what, what Paul is saying. They're not expected to be chewing food and, and eating solids. But by the time they hit two or three, they should be eating solids. They should be starting that, that eating, getting more nourishment from from food and anything. And if they're not, you know they're not maturing correctly. If you have a five-year-old that cannot eat solid food, you know there is something wrong, there's something up with them, they're not maturing and growing in the correct way. And that's the same with us in our spiritual lives. If we've been a Christian for three, four years and we're still like stuck at that, like being fed just by the people around us, we're not taking things in ourselves, we're not feeding ourselves, we maybe have stagnated ourselves and not growing the way that God wants us to. So we need to be fed by reading God's word, 
whether that's reading a thing, listening to an audio audio version, <coughs> listening to it through podcasts or whatever. We need to be feeding ourselves from God's word. We need to be talking to God ourselves, not just relying on our spiritual leaders to do it for us, to do it on our behalf. We need to continue to pray and grow in understanding of God. The third, the third point that I think this story teaches us about Jesus, about the character of Jesus, um, I find in Luke, in verse 49, Luke 2, verse 49, Luke 2, verse 49, he said his response to his mother when she said, why did you do this to us? Why, did, why weren't you there? He said, why did you need to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? He understood that day. He understood then who he was in God's house, in God's eyes, who he was called to be. And it wasn't just a servant or a follower of God, uh, a loyal Jew. He was actually God's son. He was the son of God. In Galatians 4, 4, we're told, when the, time, when, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his sons into our heart. The spirit calls out, Abba, Father. So you, know, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are God's child, God has made, also made you an heir. And this is the key. Jesus knew he was God's son. He knew he'd been sent to redeem those that were under the law so that we can, he's sent to redeem us. Not so that we can just stay and be followers of God and just be, be servants of God, but so that we can also be sons of God. And I use that, the like sons and daughters, like non-gender specific, I'll just keep using the word son. Um, but I mean, sons and daughters, we are sons of God. We have been adopted into God's family. We are no longer just on the outside. We're no, no longer guests in God's house. We are his children. And with that comes a whole range, should just to miss sometimes between sonship and, and servanthood. Um, yes, we serve God's house, we serve God in all those ways. But as sons and as daughters of God, we have more responsibilities. We are co but we also have more privileges because we are heirs, um, we are co heirs with Christ. Uh, um, Paul writes in Ephesians 1 3 to 5, Praise be to God to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Jesus recognised that at 12. And we need to remember and recognise that today. As Christians, we are not just his servants, we are his sons. We are his daughters. We are his children. We, we have all the rights and privileges that Jesus had. By virtue of his blood and his sacrifice, we are co-heirs. Which I think is amazing. I think it's something that we tend to forget. We're like We get busy um, serving God, living, living our life, but we need to sometimes stop and reflect and it's like, oh, God chose me not to be a servant, not to serve him, to be his child, to be loved by him, 
and to love him in return, which I think is an amazing privilege and I think is one of the most remarkable things about the gospel stories and about the sacrifice of Jesus is that we were called that we are not inferior to Jesus because we are co-heir with him in Christ. So we're going to have a moment of reflection. Now, up on the screen, I've got some ideas. So this is an opportunity for you to fill in your response cards. We're going to have some music playing. And these are just some some suggestions um, that you might want to reflect on. You can reflect on what are the areas of life where you may need to continue to grow in wisdom and understanding. There may be somewhere that you're like, oh, hang on, I'm not growing in that area. Um, I also encourage if if it's on your heart to pray for spiritual and governmental authorities that God's placed over you. And also maybe think about what is God teaching and speaking to you about through this story of Jesus as a child? So you have that time now.